Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Hey friends, welcome back to the second half of my conversation with Dr. Lance Bourgeois about the call of parenting. Lance is the head pastor of Grace Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. If you missed the first part of my conversation with Lance last week, be sure to check that out before listening to this episode. But if you're all caught up, let's jump back into this amazing conversation. Yeah, so let's, and you may have already connected them, so forgive me if I'm asking a redundant question, but you know, you we had you had mentioned just the the goal or the purpose of our parenting is to be able to launch our kids um, in a way where they are emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, um, grounded in Christ, all of those things. Um, how does intentionality play into like why is that so important? Um in, I guess, I guess in producing what we're talking about? Yeah. So great question. So one of the things we all, I mean, I've done it too. Uh, When we talk about a child's development, we talk about uh, influencers and, and there's, there's four levels or tiers of influence in a child's life. The foundational influencer is, is parents. The number one essential influencer in a child's life is parents. Right above that is the second level, which is your non-parental committed adults. That's a teacher, that's a coach, that's a youth leader, that's somebody else that's in there. It could be an aunt, an uncle, whatever, but it's not the parents. Your third level of influencer is the non-committed, non-parental. That's their friends, right? So hear me when, and then the fourth would be media. It's our culture. But if you put those together and think about it in terms of your children have four levels of influencers, the most, the strongest, most powerful one is parents. And the absence of strong parents, then the next tier take over, which is your non-parent, but still a committed adult, your teacher, your coach, your aunt, your uncle, maybe an older sibling, whatever, grandparent. If you don't have that, The third level is their peers. Mm. Those peers are teaching them about life. They're teaching about their identity. They're teaching about work ethic. They're teaching about sexuality. They're teaching about pursuits. They're teaching about goals. They're teaching about discipline, the value of chores, all the things. And if you don't have that, then you have the media world, social media. Think about all that stuff. If we're not intentional 
about what we're offering our kids, then erase the bottom level of that foundation. Yeah. And now what we're working with is, do we trust the committed adults in their life to raise our children and influence them at the level that we would want them? The direction, the calling, the way they view things, their worldview. Now, if you if you're in a public school, that may look different. If you're in a home school, that may look different. If you're in a private school or a private Christian school, that may look different. I'm not knocking any school system, but the number one tiered influencer, the one that God intended to be the number one tiered influencer is parents. Yeah. And so if we're not taking seriously the call from the Lord, I mean, Jesus had some pretty strong words, right? When he said, uh, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the ocean than it is to lead a little one astray. And if we don't recognize that there's a sense where that speaks to parents in, in their parenting, and we just think that speaks to religious leaders, I think we may be missing part of what Jesus wanted us to hear in that. Yeah. He takes that little image bearer, that little image, they're no less image bearer than you and me. They just have more image per square inch than you and I have because they're shorter, right? Yeah. But they bear every bit the image of God that you and I do. So how do we think about that? Yeah. They matter. Jesus died on the cross for them, just like he did us. What are we doing? Because those children have been entrusted to us as a stewardship. What do they need in 18 years? And then you got to ask yourself other questions. What does your relationship look like when they move out of the house? That's yeah. another conversation. <laughs> that's but, another episode. <laughs> that's another episode yeah. that yeah. we're working on. But you can see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my next question would be that if, you know, this bottom tier, um, the most important influence in a, in a kid's life is their, is their parents. And, you know, as parents, we have a heart um, to honor the call that, that, God talks about in Colossians 3, you know, and a part of that would be the hard stuff, like, like discipline. So what would that look like to step into that in a way that, that honors God and, and really helps build the child up? Yeah. That- so, yeah. So let, let's think about that. The purpose of discipline is to correct, right? We want to, we want to discipline our children in a way that not, it's not about breaking them down. It's about correcting them and restoring them. So when you begin to have those conversations and you've got to understand that different levels of infraction require different levels of discipline. So if somebody, you know, if you tell them not to put their milk on the edge of the table or they'll spill it, and then they put it on the edge of the table and they spill it, That's not quite the same thing as them walking up and punching their sibling in the face. Right. Right. So you want to discipline childish behaviors, but you also need to to discipline egregious behaviors. And part of that requires a sense of there always need, whenever you discipline, there needs to be a restorative nature to it. Is that this is about bringing you back. We don't stigmatize you. We don't shame you. I really struggle. I, I would like to believe, I, I don't know that I did this, but I'd like to believe I never sought to discipline my child in public because if they felt the eyes upon them, they felt the embarrassment and the shame of that. So you get them aside. This is for you to correct 
and restore. It's always correct and restore. If you only do one without the other, then you've corrected them, but you've not restored them. Well, that that is dangerous uh, and destructive. So we step into that, we correct, and then we restore. We bring them back in, you affirm their giftedness, their value to the family, your appreciation for who they are. But I recognize you need to know this. Now, some discipline, I, I think, is rather natural. They, they spilled the milk on the floor. It broke the glass. You know what? Then if it's age appropriate, then we'll go grab some paper towels, go grab the dustpan, go grab a broom and mop it all up and, and get it cleaned up. I mean, do you need to do more than that? Well, maybe if it happens seven times in the same meal, maybe, maybe you need to do that. Right. But, th- but there were certain levels of things. And I, where we drew the line, I thought, was if if you could not, uh, I think our line, looking back, really was this. Do you respect the family structure? If you don't respect the family structure, then that carried a a more strict form of discipline than the you deal with the consequences of uh, like you spilled the milk, you clean it up. So we kind of drew some lines of, of direct rebellious behavior from those things that were childish behavior. Yeah. And that was where we drew the line. Uh, we, we wouldn't tolerate, I wouldn't tolerate him uh, or my daughter uh, being disrespectful or rebellious against uh, Ellen or myself. We, we right. treated that stronger uh, than the other. And so sometimes it was taking their phone away. I, I know there were seasons where we locked down their phone uh, to where all they could use their phone for was was a phone call, that all social media was gone, all the internet was gone. Uh, there were times where uh, they had curfews that were, were easier. There were times where we sent them to the rooms without their phone. I remember conversations where if you're not going to uh, handle yourselves in the uh, in the uh, in the community of our family appropriately, then we're going to let you experience not being in community with our family. So you're going to sit by yourself. Uh, is that there is a privilege of being in community, and we expect you to handle that appropriately. Yeah. And if you can't, then you're going to get the gift of absence from our family <laughs> for you know however long was appropriate. Yeah. And I love that you know that you know different. There's levels of dis- discipline and kind of in my mind, what that translates to me is having the quote unquote punishment fit the crime. But I love the idea of the the goal of discipline being um, correcting. And we've talked about it in the past about that the goal of discipline is to teach, which is the same thing. But I love that about restoring because I don't feel like, I mean, I think personally that maybe that's an area that I don't really do a lot. So when you say restoring, correct and restore, what does that look like exactly to restore your child while you're correcting, which is something that we're called to do as parents? Yeah. So yes, there's uh, when we read, there's this word in Greek that when translate, it gets translated as mend. uh, And it speaks about this mending of a net that is made useful again, that the that the fishing net that the disciples had was broken. So it's not ready for use. And so it gets mended, which means it can be put back into 
the environment and for the purposes that it was created, right? It gets restored. And so when we think about that moment, I, I got in trouble a lot as a kid, right? Hmm. A curious George was my hero uh, and I was always in trouble, it felt like. But the idea that the guilt or the shame that sits there, imagine that child that sits there and the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that they got in trouble again. They're always the one in trouble, whatever that narrative is. Yeah. If the narrative becomes a shame-based narrative for that child, then let's not be surprised that they live their lives feeling shame and embarrassment. So there's there's purpose now in restoring, but pays dividends later. What? You're worth more than your behaviors. This isn't about your performance. You're worthy to be loved because you have worth and value. Even when you're not a bad kid, you're a kid who did a bad thing. I mean, that that's not an inconsequential distinction. You're a great kid who made a mistake. So let's come in here. Let me let's do the discipline, whatever that is appropriate for the for the action. And then let's hug you. Let me love you. Let me tell you why it matters. This is why it matters that I had to do that. I don't love that. I know that that hurts you. But let me tell you, you matter. And this matters, which is why I had to do that. Now, come here. Give me a hug. I love you. Look me in the eye. And let's make sure. Are you okay? Am I okay? And then I typically in that moment would try to create something to go fix it. Like, okay, hey, you know what? Let's go get a Coke. Let's go get a milkshake. Let's go get a donut. Yeah. Come with me. I need your help. I need to go out into the kitchen and do something. Hey, come with me and, and let's reconnect so that it's not just the conversation. I'm trying to manifest. I'm restored to you. This isn't between us. We're good. I need my child to know that. I can know that. But if I don't convey that to the child, then the child may say, I'm just going to go hang out in my room by myself. And now they have not been restored. They're living in isolation. And what you and I know, if you and I look at the penal system, what's the worst thing they do to a criminal in, in prison? Solitary. Put them in isolation. Yep. (laughs) Right. We don't want them in isolation. That drives people bananas. Don't send our children to isolation and leave them there. You need to put them in timeout, put them in timeout, but then you bring them back. Man, I missed you while you were gone. Um, We are so much better as a family when you're with us. I hate that we had to do it, but you've got to learn that your siblings matter, that when they're talking, you can't keep interrupting. They matter just as much as you do. And when we sent you to the room, we had to let you understand that other people matter too. But at the same time, we missed you. We missed the gift of you in that moment. And so your failure to obey and not interrupt not only costs you, but it costs us. Now think with me about an adult that goes out in the world that understands that my sin not only costs me, but it has impact on those other people around me. Yeah. That's intentionality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I feel like, and I mean, I may be overstepping here where it's talking about in verse 20, where it says, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. That, that process of restoring them like correction and rest or, you know, restoring, I think really helps with that, that, you know, you're, you're holding to the expectation and the thing that you need to teach them, but by using that piece of restoring, they don't feel like, oh, I'm just not enough. I can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like 
Well, I think you're really on to that, right? I mean, I think you're onto something with that. You know, if you and I think about the fact parenting is hard, if I told you from the beginning, you were going to have to correct a child 10,000 times before they left their left your house. You do not, as a parent, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't. You're the authority in the home. You may have to give an accountability. I mean, you'll be accountable before the Lord, but you're not accountable to your child. You, you can say, because I said so, and that's enough, right? I mean, you, you can do that. It's the authority. You pay the bills, blah, blah, blah. But imagine if we actually take the time to explain, then maybe we don't deal with that same behavior 10,000 times. We deal with that behavior a handful of times, and then they learn. Yeah. And then we move on to the next thing. That's fine. But if intentionality says, I'm going to go the extra mile to teach you, to communicate with you. And I got to tell you, I hated it when people told me because I said so. I don't think our children <laughs> like it any more than we did. So are we just perpetuating our kids saying, I hate it when people tell me that? Or can we go the extra step? Let's offer them more than that so that we can and intentionally be training them so that now we're giving them some narratives. You know what? Other people matter. They matter. And so whether it's my brother or my sister, whether it's my boyfriend or girlfriend, whether it's my husband or my wife or my coworker or my boss or the police officer who pulls me over because I ran a stop sign, yeah. they all matter. And those lessons begin being taught at home. Yeah. So I guess kind of to, I guess, wrap up, you know, I think about, <laughs> I think I'm lit, I'm sitting here listening and I was like, mm, I really don't do that or, or should do this or just these dynamics and these things that we've been talking about. Maybe there's somebody listening. It's like, well, I have just really blown it. <laughs> yeah, And this is there. not, you know, this is not what my parenting has looked like. I don't <laughs> do that on purpose, but just, you know, I'm feel like I'm failing. Like what, what would you say to that parent out there? Like, how do we, I guess, right the ship or turn it around kind of thing? Or is it too late? You know, is the damage done? Okay. No, it's not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late. As long as there's breath in your lungs and there's breath in that person's lung, it's not too late. Ellen and I, one day, uh, I don't remember what really precipitated it. I remember the day. Uh, uh, Ellen and I sat down and I said, I feel like we need to apologize to our kids and invite them to tell us how we've hurt them. And, uh, Ooh, and I said, man, <laughs> right. So I said, here's what we're going to do. So they were sitting on the sofa. My son's three years older than my daughter. She had to be four or five years old. So he's seven or eight. And so we walk in and I told Ellen beforehand, I'm like, here's the deal. We're going to ask that question. We're not going to defend ourselves. We're not going to argue with them. We're just going to sit there. And so we brought them in. They sat down on the sofa. We sat down on the coffee table directly in front of the sofa and leaned forward. I said, you know what? We know that we've hurt you before. We've been ugly at times. We've been, we've, we haven't been patient with you. We asked you all to be patient with us and with each other, but we've not always been patient with you. And uh, and we need to confess that. So what we're going to ask you to do is tell us about times where we've hurt you or hurt your feelings. Oh, man. And you could tell they were scared, which probably was a sign we needed to do this. Like, they're yeah. like is this really safe? Right. Uh, can I trust them? Or are they going to throw me under the bus? Is this some kind of bait and switch on us? 
And so it was really interesting as they started telling us, I know that over and over again, I sat there, Ellen sat there and we said, golly, we're so sorry. We're sorry. You know, God tells us we have to discipline you. That's our responsibility, but we don't have to do it with a loud voice. We don't have to do it with a scary voice. And we did that and we scared you. We don't, we don't want to scare you. We want to love you and we want to raise you up like, like the scripture said. So that was a significant, and then they started having a lot of fun when they realized that we were not getting mad at them. Then they're like, and then this time when you said that, you know, <laughs> they just went yeah, on, <laughs> they went on and on and on. Like, is there anything else? You know, I, and so that was a good day. We got to model that we're not perfect. We got to model, you know what? I've never been a parent before to two kids. Uh, I was never a parent to one kid. I mean, this was new. That was, so that would be one thing. You can't defend yourself. You've got to sit there and say, I invite you to tell me how I hurt you uh, and apologize for each one. I'm really, really sorry. I, I know I wounded you and I didn't mean to. We can't expect them to be the adult. We're the adult. We've got to own that. We know we're not perfect. So if we can admit we're not perfect, then what's the harm in acknowledging the ways we're not perfect, right? So that's, yeah. that's one of them. Uh, I want to read you this. Here's the other thing. If I were to encourage you, that would be one thing worth doing. And then I'm going to read you another quote from that same uh, Madeline Levine uh, book that you, you read at the beginning. Uh, she writes this, perhaps the single most important ritual a family can observe is having dinner together. Families who eat together five or more times a week have kids who are significantly less likely. Listen to this list. Five or more times a week, their kids are significantly less likely to use tobacco, alcohol, or marijuana. But they do, in fact, have higher grade point averages, less depressive symptoms, fewer suicide attempts than the families who eat two or fewer times a week. So let's mm. just draw a baseline. Two or fewer is destructive. Five or more is fantastic. You want to roll the dice at three to four? Okay. Two or less, destructive. Five or more? fantastic. So I get it. There's a little leeway in there at, at three or four, but here's what she goes on to say. Why is that so important? Because eating together reinforces the idea that family members are interested, available, and concerned about each other. It provides a reliable time and a place for your kids to share their accomplishments, their challenges, their worries, and to check in with their parents or their siblings. And if nothing else, simply to just feel like they are part of a family. Mm. restorative yeah not isolation not solitary confinement no all of those things five or more times a week less likely significantly less likely for tobacco alcohol marijuana but they do have higher grade point averages less depression and fewer su suicide attempts and those wow. are two or fewer times it's huge yeah what can you do if you can have if you can only do one thing Get in the habit of having a family meal together and putting everybody around the table. And if you can go a step further, have the conversation and seek to confess your own sin so that you can restore, correct and restore the yeah. same way we're doing that direction and bite that from their direction upward to the parents. And I think you'll know some huge uh, benefits to your home. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, you know, it all just comes back to things like presence and relationships. And, you know, I think one of the biggest parenting things that 
has just impacted me so much is that we don't, as parents, have to be perfect and teach. We're not expecting our kids to be perfect. We've got to model what it looks like for to be human. And part of that is asking yeah. for forgiveness. And I mean, that's just, that has been a huge turnaround in my approach to parenting is that we're going to have the shortfalls and and all of that, but our ability to humble ourselves and show our kids our humanness and ask for forgiveness, I think is so huge in, um, you know, building that relationship that launches our kids into um, adults that are emotionally grounded, spiritually grounded and, and just yeah. good humans. <laughs> yeah. You know, so much of parenting is just showing up, just show up. Yeah. So that absolutely. they got that place, show up at the dinner table, show up when they go to their room and isolate, show up at their events, their PTA, the band recital, the art show, the game. It doesn't matter. Just keep showing up. Yeah. And what you're communicating at every step is, you matter and you have value. Yes, absolutely. And so I want to end with that, um, you know, because Colossians 3, 12 through 15 says that this put on as God's, and God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all else, this is the part I love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, so good. Love covers a multitude of sins. So, anyway, Lance, thanks again so much for being here with us. We really appreciate every time you come on to visit with us. Anytime, friend, anytime. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.